This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans. And there it is. That's as good as it gets on this stage. Nissan Townstar EV strikes again. It's an unstoppable van. Unstoppable! Look, just fantastic. You can actually see the ProPilot technology in action. Effortless parallel parking. It moves with all the confidence that comes with a five-year warranty. And with a bench full of all-star van experts, there's real strength in depth here. That's all-star quality. Search Nissan Townstar EV and visit your local all-star van centre to see for yourself. Terms and conditions apply. Five years or 100,000 miles, whichever comes first. ProPilot is an advanced driver assist technology. Driver's responsibility to stay alert, drive safely and control vehicle at all times. The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly supported by McDelivery, bringing you the food you love. McDelivery brings a top-tier lineup of food right to your door. No matter the results, you'll always be winning with McDelivery. Order now on the McDonald's app and you'll get rewards points delivered too. So that ordering today means some tasty rewards for tomorrow. Only via app at participating restaurants. 18 plus rewards registration required. Points only on menu items, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. It's the preview show. It's the No Name Ever podcast. Hello and welcome to the preview show brought to you by the Nona Never podcast. It's midweek, it's once again take two, and we are here with a very special preview show. Now, Dave and I recorded this one pre-Christmas. This was the beginning, Dave, of the start of all of the million games that got cancelled. Good evening, Dave. How are we? Hello, I'm very, very well, and even better after uh, three points on Saturday. That's put everyone in a, a good mood, I think. Uh, but yes, you're quite Definitely right has. about the um, about Spurs. Yes, we did record a preview, and then the game was called off very shortly before kickoff with that uh, heavy snow flurry we had that covered the the grass, and even with um, undersoil heating on, that couldn't get couldn't melt uh, snow coming down as fast as it did, <laughs> and uh, the the match was called off. So yes, we uh, there was a few little bits we've reused. If anyone did listen to the original one, we'll be back. It wasn't. It wasn't just the podcast that was lost, Dave. We are back. Uh, yeah, the the um, we, we will be reusing a few little bits that we did for the uh, original one, but there's lots of new content in this one as well. So uh, plenty for people to listen out for tonight. Good stuff. We like this. Well, listeners, I am of course your host Natalie Bromley, and I have just been joined, as you heard there, by the main man, the headliner of the preview show, who is Dave Statman Roberts. But we're also joined today by another one of our known and ever team who has crossed over from the analysis show and has come to collab with us in the preview show, Tom Whitaker. Welcome to the preview studio. Thank you very much. It's always very exciting to be in the preview studio because it's part of my pre-match ritual. So, uh, yeah, having a peek behind the curtain every now and again is always very exciting. Well, it's always a pleasure to have you. Now, we have brought... Tom across from the analysis show because with fixtures once again coming thick and fast we haven't quite got time to squeeze in a full analysis show in between the Brighton game and Spurs on Wednesday so we wanted to give you a little bit of a of a breakdown of exactly what happened down in Brighton on Saturday and Tom has come on to do that so Tom I'm going to give you the floor 3-0 win away from home only the second win in the season and suddenly we've all got giddy about survival again talk us through that one 
Yeah, it's amazing, isn't it? The the, the positivity on Twitter. Uh, when you think it's only our second win of the season, you, you'd think we'd just put a run together and we were like on the verge of <laughs> safety instead of still being five points adrift. But I think it's not just the, the result, it's the manner of the result, the manner of the performance. Obviously, Brighton are a good side this year, really difficult to beat. I think it was only their sixth defeat of the season, which coming into the middle of February is, is a great achievement for them. But we didn't just beat them. You know, it's not as if we've gone there ground ground uh, ground it out, nicked a goal from a set piece or something like that. We're on the front foot from the very off. Uh, we we absolutely paced them, let's be fair. Um, scored three really good, well, two really good goals and one maybe slightly less good goal, um, but restricted them really, really well. Didn't give them a sniff. And all this with, with two players that when you saw the, the lineup come out, you thought, well, with, without Tarkovsky, probably our best defender and Westwood, who I'd probably class as our best midfielder, you think we're going to struggle here. So to, to put in that level of performance um, with those notable absentees and obviously Taylor, good months and missing as well. Fantastic. Really, really encouraging. A brilliant display. And I think anyone who made the journey down there, I mean, I come down from Derby, which was a decent effort, but anyone who made that trip in those conditions from Burnley, hats off to them. Fantastic. And uh, and really good to see that rewarded with a with a fantastic performance and, and a really crucial three points. Yeah, definitely. I, I second all of that. It was it was definitely the manner of the performance that, that got me. Um, that said, uh, we don't always single out players, um, Tom, but I think there are, there are at least a couple of players I can think of that, de- that deserve um, singling out for praise, I think. Yeah, absolutely. I think uh, two that really spring to mind for me, uh, Josh Brownhill, um, been improving game on game. I think his best performance uh, for us probably prior to to Saturday was the Liverpool game. I thought he was excellent in that. And he, he really stepped up, especially in the absence of Westwood. Like I say, you were a bit worried looking at the team sheet before kick-off. Uh, Cork's been in and out of the team, not had his best season. So we were going to need performances from both of them. thought Cork was really, really good as well, saying that he's not played for a while. But Brownhill, in particular, super mm-hmm. industry, you know, uh, and his quality on the ball's improved in the last few games, using possession a lot better. Um, and obviously that goal is going to be a massive monkey off his back. Got a bit of luck, a couple of deflections. Wasn't the best shot you'll ever see, but I thought he got himself into that position really well. The fact that he was willing to make the gamble and get the run on to, to go past Vegas after that little flick, thought fair play, he was rewarded for gambling. And I'm hoping now with that with that first goal scored, with that monkey off his back, he can get a bit of confidence from that and become a little bit more prolific because goals from midfield is something that we've really lacked this season. And I think, you know, if, if he can carry on that form, That'll be a big boost to us. And I've mentioned the the other man there who really stood out, which is Veghorst. Um, you know, it really does look as if he's improving the, the overall play. I don't think some of them goals um, would have happened if Wood was still in the team. You know, the way he, let, he held the ball up and laid it off for Brownhill's goal. And, of course, the finish for his goal was absolutely superb. Put, uh, put me in mind of the goal that Barnes scored against West Ham in the 3-0 win there. You know, just the cutback and he... Yeah. first time accurate power the keepers it's already gone past the keeper before he can even move superb finish and I think the first couple of games you know finding his feet a little bit learning a bit more about his teammates we said in the Liverpool game he struggled a bit with his finishing but it, the, the quality was there and again the monkey off his back now he's got his first goal and he looks like if we can keep him fit he's going to be a really really important player for us in the running and I think he more than anything else it's him that's really giving you a bit of a bit of faith, a bit of hope for the rest of the season. Yeah, definitely. And I think 
seeing his um, seeing the relief on his face when he scored and just how much it meant to him. It's been a while since we saw that joy, and it, it you know we're only what is it is his third game, maybe fourth, um, and it did seem to be in there. Now, Dave, I know you've been upsetting uh, Newcastle fans this week um, <laughs> with your your trolling of him, but. It's it's difficult to say this without sounding like we are a little bit biased, but he genuinely does look like a massive improvement on Chris Wood, doesn't it? It looks like we got the good end of that deal. Uh, yeah, when you consider that he's um, well, ne- nearly a year younger, half the price, and his all round play seems to be well come on leaps and bounds, certainly to to what Chris Wood was for the early part of the season. Obviously, Chris Wood's been a fantastic player for Burnley, despite what some Newcastle United fans uh, might think, uh, I think, on the subject. Um, Yeah, but it's uh, it's been a breath of fresh air, really, coming into the team. And it's difficult to single players out because uh, Tom's mentioned several players there. He hasn't mentioned Aaron Lennon, who I thought uh, did really well again. Uh, took a goal really well. And also Nathan Collins, who every time he comes in, he slots in, does really well. So uh, we could almost go through the whole team, couldn't we, with that uh, performance from uh, from Saturday? Yeah, definitely. Um, so just before we let you go, and we, we carry on with the preview show, um, Tom, and we'll let you back into your, your comfort of your own home studio. Um, where do we go from here? Do we think it's going to derail us if we do get beat at home by Spurs this week? Or do you think this is... Is this definitely a sign of things to come? I think uh, you've got to be realistic. Spurs is a, a difficult game. It's perhaps a bad time to play them after they've just handed you know, a taste mm. in at the champions in their own backyard as well. Um, I think what, what that result does, it, it gives you a bit of confidence. It also means that dropping points in the Spurs game, so if we were to get a draw in that game, that, it looks a much better result than if we hadn't won on Saturday. So I think from that point of view, yeah. um, it takes a bit of the pressure off this fixture for sure. Um, I think also as well, like I said, I think the confidence will will really. I don't think you can really underestimate how much that result has done for us, um, on and off the pitch. I think you could see the players growing in confidence after every goal went in. The support was fantastic, and and there was so much belief, you know, in in the concourse after the game. Um, I really think that the atmosphere in the ground, which has been good, you know, for saying that we've not won for so long, the atmosphere at the turf has been really good. It's been really positive, and it's only going to help that. So. I think uh, if we can get an early goal against Spurs, if we take the lead, then you're really going to see that that positivity ramp up. So, yeah, it's, it makes a big difference for, for that fixture, and I think uh, everybody's looking forward to it a lot more now than they would have been had we not had we not won on Saturday. Yeah, amen to that. Well, we're going to let you go, um, Tom. Uh, we'll uh, we'll carry on and we'll we'll look ahead at that Newcastle game, but uh, we will no doubt catch up with you back in the analysis studio after that Spurs game and see if we can get something out there because I think we're going to win. I think we're going to beat Spurs so we'll get an analysis shot later on. So, see you later, Tom. Thanks for joining us. Okay, so, Dave, we need to get back on to the small matter of the preview show, which is, of course, why we are here. So, um... We need to start off by giving our listeners the answer to the last quiz question, which was uh, before that Brighton game. Now, you asked the listeners which Burnley players, plural listeners, scored our first and last goals at Brighton's with Dean Stadium. Can you kick us off, Dave, with the answer to that question and whether we had any correct answers? 
Uh, yeah, well, the answers we were looking for were Glenn Little. He scored uh, the opening goal, our, our first goal uh, at the With Dean. It was the opening goal uh, just before half-time in our first ever game, which we played at the uh, rather unsuitable With Dean Stadium. Uh, that was a 2-2 draw in December 2002. Um, and Robbie Blake was the player who scored the uh, only goal in, in a win at the With Dean in October two, uh, sorry, in November 2004. Um, after that, there was a nil-nil draw. That was a match in January 2006. And by the time we played another away game at Brighton, it was uh, 2011. And that was the uh, the game that uh, they had two men sent off uh, and uh, Kieran Trippier scored the uh, only goal of the game. That was at the uh, the current stadium. Uh, it was another tricky question. And although mm-hmm. no one got in touch with both correct answers, uh, Andrew Blythe did get one half. He got Glenn Little. Um, and uh, our very own Tom Whitaker, he uh, knew that it was uh, Robbie Blake with the other one. So between them, uh, they're our quiz champions for this week. Uh, if you want a mention and the glory of being our quizzer of the week, then listen out for another quiz question at the end of the show. Indeed. Well, uh, I just want to slot in a very quick um, late submission here, because literally, just as you were giving that answer, Dave, our very own Adam Dennett from the Analysis Show uh, just submitted his answer in our uh, team thread. And he says, quiz question from Brighton. <gasps> My guesses are Robbie Blake last, correct? And Ian Moore first. Uh, I said, I've only just had a chance to listen, although I've now missed the boat. I said, well, sorry, Adam. We're just on that section now, so we'll give you a shout out. But you're wrong. So no correct submission for you. Ian Moore scored the other goal in that game in the 2-2. Glenn Little scored first. Ian Moore scored the other one. Ah. So close, but no cigar. There you go. Yeah, close. Probably closer than I could have got. Nobody else guessed it, so that's good. Well, as Dave says, you don't need to wait very long for another quiz question. You just need to hang around to the end of the show, and we will set you this week's homework. Premier League head-to-head. But before we do that, we have to get on with the preview show because we are, of course, back home on Wednesday night, 23rd of February, a 7.30pm kickoff against Tottenham Hotspur. This rearranged fixture, the one that started the whole cascade of fixtures falling over, the domino, shall we say, the opening domino. Um, it's not televised anywhere live in the UK, but it will be live at Turf Moor under the floodlights. Sun snow, Dave. Once again, for the second time this season, can you please give us the history of this fixture, starting with Premier League meetings? Uh, Yeah, Tottenham are one of the teams we've faced in all of our previous Premier League seasons. And in their seven previous Premier League visits to Turf Moor, there have been two Burnley wins, two draws and three away wins. Um, It was too late to make any difference as Burnley were already relegated. We came from behind to win 4-2 in our last Premier League game of the 2009-10 season. Uh, Jack Cork, in fact, was in the Burnley side and scored one of the goals in that match. Um, I'm going to keep our other win in reserve for later in the show. Uh, But the two draws were 0-0. That was in April 2015. Uh, That was one point towards safety. Uh, But after losing the next five after that, we were doomed to another relegation, despite wins at Hull City and Aston Villa towards the end of the season. Uh, The other draw was an entertaining 1-1. That was from early March 2020. And you may recall that this was our last match before lockdown restrictions put a pause to Premier League football for three months. Uh, That just leaves three defeats, none of which we managed a goal in. 
that was a 2-0 defeat in April 2017, a 3-0 defeat just before Christmas in uh, December 2017, and a narrow 1-0 defeat in last season's corresponding fixture, which took place behind closed doors in October 2020. Mm, excellent. Now, for reasons which will become apparent shortly, I'm told, and I'm relying on Statman Day for that information, um, we've changed the running order. <gasps> Dave, what are you doing? Not only does it make me trip up on the script, but I'm sure it confuses our listeners, but I will I will let this slide. Um, we've changed the running order slightly just for this week only. So before we remind you about a particular memory match, we're going to be looking at one section, which definitely hasn't been recycled. That's our On This Day feature, where Dave tells us all about Burnley's past matches on the same date as the forthcoming match. So, Dave, take two. On This Day. Yes, very different to last time because the date's changed. Uh, Burnley have 10 wins from 21 past matches played on the 23rd of February, with an overall record of uh, played 21, won 10, drawn 6 and lost 5. Uh, We've had 33 goals for and 17 against. However, we failed to win any of the first five matches we played on the 23rd of February. After a 3-3 draw, that was at home to Aston Villa in 1895. We lost 1-0 at Birmingham City in 1901, although in those days they went went under the name of Small Heath before they uh, changed first to Birmingham and then later to Birmingham City. Uh, we played out a goalless draw against Chesterfield at Turf Moor in 1907 before another defeat in 1914. Uh, that was this, against this Wednesday's opponent, Spurs. Uh, they scored twice in the last 10 minutes to seal a 2-0 victory. They then followed a sequence of five consecutive home wins on the 23rd of February between 1924 and 1960. The FA Cup third-round tie against Huddersfield Town in 1924 was Burnley's all-time record attendance of 54,775. That saw a 1-0 Burnley win, and then in 1929 we beat Leeds United 5-0, helped by a George Beale hat-trick. In 1935 the score was 3-0, as we beat Swansea Town as they were back then, and the fourth and fifth wins in the sequence were a 2-0 win over Liverpool, that was in 1952, And then uh, another win over Bradford City, that was uh, 5-0 in an FA Cup fifth round replay in front of another Turf Moor crowd of over 50,000. We had to wait until the 1970s for the next two games on this date. Both were at Turf Moor and both were 1-1 draws against Stoke City in 1971 and West Ham United in 1974. In 1980, we lost 2-1 at Cardiff City as we struggled towards the bottom of the second division table. But in 1985, in a third division game, we beat local rivals Preston North End at Turf Moor with two goals in two minutes just after half-time from Derek Scott and Wayne Biggins. There was another 2-0 home win in 1991 as we beat Walsall. And then in in 2002, we picked up a 2-1 away win at Crew Alexandra. Then there were a couple of away defeats at Plymouth Argyle in 2008 and at Brighton in 2013, before the ninth of our ten wins, uh, and that was against uh, Nottingham Forest. We beat them uh, 1-0 in 2016. Uh, That just leaves us with one more match, which coincidentally is also the subject of our memory match. Ah, there you are. This must be a preview show first, then. Can you believe that the last match we played on the 23rd of February was also against Spurs at Turf Moor? Um, Dave, 
tell us all about that. Memory match! Uh, yeah, earlier on we alluded to the fact there had been a more recent Premier League home win for Burnley against Spurs. And coincidentally, that match took place exactly three years ago, to the day, on February 23rd, 2019. It was a Saturday lunchtime kickoff, and we were live on Sky Sports. And I remember the match well, as I was in the commentary box that day alongside Phil Bird, for what was a thrilling match. At least it was in the second half, as it was a fairly cagey affair during the first 45 minutes, resulting in a goalless first half. After the interval, Burnley attacked the B-hole end, as we usually do, and it was Chris Wood who put us into the lead in the 57th minute when he headed the ball in off the underside of the crossbar from Dwight McNeil's in-swinging right-wing corner. The Spurs players on the pitch, as well as their rather excitable bench, claimed that the original corner shouldn't have been given, but even the slow-motion replays were inconclusive. Uh, Then there was some further controversy just eight minutes later. The ball went out of play just inside the Spurs half, near to the technical areas in front of the Bob Lord stand, and the fourth official quickly ran to retrieve the ball for Danny Rose, who stole at least 10 yards and took a quick throw into Harry Kane, who advanced past Ben Mee and beat Tom Heaton with an angle shot to level the scores. However, there was still time for Burnley to snatch a winner, and all three points went in the 83rd minute, Johan Berg-Gubmanton's low pass across the goal from the edge of the box was side-footed in by Ashley Barnes. After the final whistle, Pochettino and his assistant stormed into the centre of the pitch and confronted referee Mike Dean, seemingly because they were still disputing the decision for the corner, which led to Burnley's first goal. Pochettino's behaviour resulted in a £10,000 fine and a two-match touchline ban, but the most important thing was the Burnley win and three vital points, as it hopefully will be again this week. Indeed. Indeed, indeed, indeed. It's been a while since I've been saying that. I've been saying it a lot recently, Dave. Club Connection! Um, when we recorded a preview show for the planned match against Spurs in December, we ran a poll to ask you which player you wanted us to feature in our Club Connection section. We counted up your votes and the winner was Kieran Trippier, who since then has returned to England with... I can't, don't make me say that name. I'm not going to say it. You know who it plays for. We're not going there. Um, So we included that profile for the original recording of this previous show. And rather than repeat that content, which is now no longer relevant, I would add, we're going to focus on the player who came second in that poll, who was... Dean Marnie! Dave, Club Connection. Dean Marnie. What a joy. <laughs> uh, yes, yes, the, sec- the second place in our poll, but uh, the fact that we've re recorded this uh, show, doing it again for the rearranged fixture, means that Dean Marnie gets a look in. Uh, born in Barking in January 1984, Dean Marnie started out at White Hart Lane as a youth team player. Um, he'd been spotted <laughs> at the age of nine. And although he did eventually play for their first team, making his debut at the start of the 2003-04 season, he only ever made 11 appearances for Spurs, scoring twice. During his time in North London, he also had loan spells at Swindon Town, uh, Queen's Park Rangers, Gillingham and also Norwich City, and earned a cap for England under-21s in a match against the Netherlands before being signed by Hull City in the summer of 2006. Uh, he was a regular for Hull in 2006-7 and 2007-8 in the Championship, and after helping them into the Premier League by the playoffs, he played the majority of the 2008-9 season. But he drifted down the pecking order and played fewer than half of Hull's games in the 2009-10 season, after which they were relegated along with Burnley. Uh, that summer, Brian Laws swooped to bring Dean Marnie to Turf Moor, and it's fair to say that it was a popular and reliable fixture of Burnley's midfield under Brian Laws, Eddie Howe and Sean Dyche. 
but was perhaps at his most effective in the 2013-14 promotion season alongside Dave Jones, a partnership which was the heartbeat of that team in central midfield. Uh, Injuries meant that he wasn't quite as effective after that, but he remained very popular with the Burnley fans and eventually moved on at the end of the 2017-18 season and joined Fleetwood Town on a two-year deal. Uh, That meant teaming up with Joey Barton, who was manager there. Uh, Although he played most the first half of that season, his last match was in January of 2019, and it seems like that was it for his playing career. Uh, At the start of last season, in October 2020, when matches were being played behind closed doors, uh, Dean joined Phil Bird on co-coms on Clarets Plus, and as well as discussing his career, including his time at Turf Moor, he revealed he'd passed his coaching badges and wanted to stay involved in football. Of course, we wish Dean Marnie well, and in addition to always being welcome back at Turf Moor, he's yet another player who will always be a claret. Definitely. Uh, oh, I love Dean Marnie. Well, that's the end of the first half of the show, in which we've already looked at some of the history surrounding this fixture, but it's time to return to the present day, starting with, as always, our scouting report. Scouting Report! Yeah, after making the decision to appoint Nuno Espirito Santo as their manager in the summer, Spurs made a very good start to the season, with three 1-0 wins, including victory over Manchester City on the opening weekend, earning Nuno the August Manager of the Month award. However, by the start of November, the Spurs board had got itchy feet and decided to make a change, with the team eighth in the table. In came Antonio Conte, who's changed the system from a 4-3-3, or 4-2-3-1, to playing with three defenders, predominantly in a 3-4-3 formation, with attacking wing-backs. During the summer transfer window, Spurs had spent around £60 million on three players. They were right-side defender Emerson Royale, left-winger Brian Gill, who has since gone to Valencia on loan, and 18-year-old defensive midfielder Pape Sarr, who's now on loan at Metz. Uh, They also brought in a couple of loan signings, central uh, defender Christian Romero and goalkeeper Pierluigi Gallini. Uh, In the January window, they brought in a couple of players from Juventus. Uh, They were uh, Uruguayan central midfielder Rodrigo Bentacur for around 17 million, as well as Swedish attacking midfielder Dejan Kulusevski on an 18-month loan with an option to buy. After home defeats to Southampton and Wolves, Spurs shocked Manchester City at the weekend with a 3-2 win in Manchester. Uh, At present, their main injury concerns are Oliver Skip and Jeffet Tanganga, as well as Sergio Regulon, who'd been out with COVID. Uh, After a slow start to the season, Harry Kane has started to find the net again, although he has still only scored seven goals, compared with their top scorer, who is uh, Hung Min Son, uh, with nine uh, in the Premier League so far this season. However, both players have a habit of scoring goals against Burnley, so we'll need to be very wary of the threat they pose on Wednesday evening. In terms of FPL points, Son leads the way for Spurs with 127. He's way out in front of goalkeeper Hugo Lloris on 89, and Harry Kane has 87. Uh, Nick Pope is still Burnley's top FPL point scorer with 79. Of course he is. Well, you've heard what we think about our visitors. Not this weekend, Dave. See you. And this is going to be my new little thing on the preview show, little Easter eggs where I find little mistakes in my script. Um, <laughs> because I never make mistakes, honestly. Uh, well, you've heard what we think about our visitors midweek. But for balance, we also have the thoughts of Ricky from The Last Word on Spurs, who's provided us with some insight in our opposition view. Opposition view. 
Hello there, this is Ricky Sachs from The Last Word on Spurs. I hope you're keeping very, very safe and well. Thank you so much for giving the opportunity, as always, to appear on the podcast. Just giving you my thoughts ahead of Tottenham Hotspur taking on Burnley at Turf Moor. And this is always a common phrase where it says about going to Turf Moor, never an easy place to go. And although Burnley's home record hasn't been it's a fortress type over the last couple of years. I think Spurs have always found it difficult up at Burnley, up at Turf Moor. Just never an easy place to go and get a result. And obviously, of course, Burnley fighting for their lives towards the bottom of the Premier League. Got a massive result on the weekend against Brighton. And of course, Spurs getting a wonderful, wonderful result up against Manchester City. I think none of us, as any Spurs fans, saw that coming, especially when you consider that was on the back of back-to-back defeats at home to both Southampton and Wolves. So you would hope that it's going to galvanise the team. Obviously, Spurs made a couple of additions in January. We saw a number of players go out, like when Dombele, Deli Alli, Giovanni Lacelso, Brian Hill going out on loan. So Spurs really almost, you'd say, it's like starting the season again in some way with those four going out. And of course, Spurs signing Dijan Kulisewski and Rodrigo Bentoncourt. You'd say for Tottenham, this is the real opportunity to kind of push on. You look at the top four battle as things stand, despite Spurs having those games in hand, you feel like every game now for Tottenham is almost must-win if they've got any opportunity of finishing that top four. I think for Spurs, it is so important to try and keep the 11 that played against City fit. I think you saw the way Spurs really, really pounced on City from a counter-attacking perspective, showed great determination, great belief to not only... Uh, get a result at City, but to come back and the way they came back from a real, real difficult penalty moment in those last few minutes where City looked like they stole a point at the death. And I use that word stole because Spurs were excellent on the day. They utterly deserved the victory and it would have been a real injustice if had Spurs not gone to Man City and got the three points, which I know is a big statement to say based on the quality City have in their squad and the position they had, but Spurs ultimately on the day, uh, from a counter-attacking perspective, they were superb. So, this is obviously the test for Tottenham now, another acid test. Of course, City's a great result, but it means absolutely nothing if Tottenham don't go to Turf Moor on Wednesday evening and get a result against a, you'd say, resurgent Burnley side. Obviously, six years now, six seasons in the Premier League under Sean Dyche, who still always manages to find a way of keeping Burnley afloat. And not only just that, they've established themselves as a Premier League team. And that's why part of me is quite surprised to see Burnley struggling, obviously, towards the bottom of the Premier League, because... Um, they're always a tough side to beat. So I must say, really, really impressed so far from the early showings of your new striker, Val Veghorst, the player I know Spurs looked at very closely when Jose Mourinho was our manager. And I think he started ever so well. He gives Burnley an almost different way of playing, not as direct, you would say. It's more of a build-up and fluid um, style from Burnley, which I know doesn't always normally be associated with uh, the Clarets. But um, no, I, I honestly think when you look at perspective of going there, anything other than three points will be massively, massively disappointing. You know, you look at the Spurs team and what Spurs are trying to do as a football club, you know, we're almost trying to rebuild under Antonio Conte and you do feel Champions League football would be essential if we're going to try and keep Conte happy and believe that Spurs can be a long-term role for him, of course, he's only on an 18-month contract. Um, in terms of teams heading into this game, we know Sergio Regulon unfortunately suffered coronavirus or suffering from COVID before the game, so he's a doubt currently. Oliver Skip for Tottenham, he'll probably touch and go ahead of this one. He's been a massive miss in that midfield, which saw, obviously, a course at the weekend, uh, Rodrigo Bentoncourt and Pierre-Emile Hoybier take those midfield roles. So I think, again, if Skip is fit for this one, I wouldn't be surprised to see him come in. 
potentially for Pierre Hoybier, although he had a very good game, I must say, at the weekend, a player that's taken various stick on social media, who doesn't these days, to be fair to him. Uh, Harry Kane, oh God, what a Harry Kane performance that was at the weekend against Manchester City. Simply incredible. Hopefully Harry can continue his goal-scoring form. Um, I think he's got a good record against Burnley, from what I can remember. It seems to all work like a goal against Burnley. Son, another player. Um, again, renowned for uh, scoring up at Turf Moor. Had a couple of goals up there as well. So, um, clearly for Tottenham, you know, everybody's got to be at the top of their game because Burnley, as I said, fighting for their lives, fighting for an opportunity to, of course, stay in the Premier League. But when I look at Tottenham overall, if they've got any aspirations of finishing the top four, as I've said numerously on this uh, audio preview, that they have to go and win this game. So for me, I'm going to go for a 2-1 Spurs win. It's going to be a real ground-out win against Burnley, who are going to make life tough for us, going to make life difficult. But ultimately, I'm going to back Spurs to come through and, fingers crossed, get the free points. Thank you so much, guys, for obviously allowing me onto the podcast, as always. Um, really enjoyed coming on, giving you my thoughts on Tottenham. Best of luck for the rest of the season, apart from, of course, Wednesday night. Uh, we hope to, again, be meeting you next season as well. Thank you so much. Take care. OK, referee watch, please. Dave, who's going to be officiating? Uh, well, back in December, Peter Banks from Liverpool was scheduled to take charge of the game. But as we know, he had to postpone the fixture due to the heavy snow in the couple of hours before the planned kickoff. Uh, this time, there's a change. It's Graham Scott of Abingdon who's been selected to referee the rearranged fixture. He was at Turf Moor for a different match in December. The weekend before the Spurs match was originally due to take place, he was the referee for our goalless draw against West Ham United. Uh, he was also at Turf Moor last season. Uh, he oversaw our 4-0 defeat at the hands of Leeds United. And his only other Burnley match in 2021 was at Stamford Bridge last January, when we lost 2-0 to Chelsea. However, uh, we had won his previous three matches in charge prior to this. Uh, they were home wins against Southampton and Everton in the first half of the 2019-20 season, as well as the 1-0 away win at Arsenal in December 2020. Uh, you may recall that Graham Scott showed red cards to opposition players in two of those games. That was uh, Everton and Arsenal. Uh, the only other time he's brand brandished a red card in a Burnley game was to Coventry to Coventry City's Gail Bigirimana in a 2-1 away win at the City of Coventry Stadium in the Championship way back in 2011. Uh, so our overall record with Graham Scott in charge is 1-8, drawn 4 and lost 8 in 20 previous matches. Uh, finally, for this section, Stuart Atwell will be the video assistant referee on Wednesday evening. Good stuff. Statman Dave's Stat of the Week. Well, I know you don't want to leave it there, Dave. I know you want to treat our listeners. So why don't you delve deep into those pockets of yours and let us have your miscellaneous stat of the week. Uh, yeah, this week's stat of the week is all about kickoff times. Uh, Burnley fans may have been surprised to hear that this Wednesday's match against Spurs is a 7.30 kickoff. Uh, the match isn't televised here in the UK, and other games such as Liverpool against Leeds United, which also isn't televised in the UK, kicks off at 7:45. Um, although in the past 7:30 p.m. used to be uh, the regular kickoff time for midweek matches on Tuesday or Wednesday, matches now tend to be scheduled for 7:45 or occasionally 
at 8 p.m. Um, I've looked back through the Burnley Stats match archive, and it's well over 25 years since Burnley hosted a 7.30 p.m. kickoff for a competitive first-team match at Turf Moor. Uh, the last season, when we hosted any 7.30 p.m. kickoffs, uh, was the 1995-96 season, and the last time it happened was a rather notable occasion. Uh, the brand-new North Stand, which had been built to replace the old Longside Terrace, was first open for fans on the 23rd of April 1996. That was for a match against Bristol Rovers. Unfortunately, we lost that game 1-0 to a goal from Marcus Stewart, but I can confirm that this was the last time that we experienced a 7.30pm kickoff at Turf Moor. Definitely. Well, how are you feeling ahead of this match, Dave? Obviously, we spoke to Tom at the beginning and I was a little bit concerned about the bubble being burst a little bit, but it's kind of, are we almost relying on Spurs to be particularly Spursy and go on away to West, uh, sorry, to Man City and beat them, but then lose away at Burnley? That's a very Spursy thing to do, right? Uh, well, hopefully, yeah, that would be uh, that'd be very good from our point of view. Um, we, we know they're a, a tough side to play. They've not had the best of times. They had... Um, a couple of uh, home defeats uh, in the Premier League before winning at Manchester City, so their form's not been brilliant of late, and they have run a little bit hot and cold this season. So, if, if definitely, if it's a case of being good one week and then uh, having an off day the next, we hope we can take advantage of that. Um, I think it'll be a very different game to uh, what they played at Manchester City. I mean, obviously, Manchester City fantastic side and and probably will go on and win the title this season. Although, obviously, Liverpool are still challenging them that, uh, them for that. Um, they'll have a different challenge at Turf Moor to what they did have at the, uh, the Etihad at the weekend, and we hope we give them something else to uh, to think about. I think on our day, we can we can beat teams. Uh, we've got to put up the same level of performance we have done in the last, well, not just on Saturday, I think, but the last uh, four games now. We've had a really good um, run of form. We've not necessarily got the points before Saturday that we deserved for those performances, and maybe... Maybe it might be one of those occasions where we do um, go out and, and, and get a 1-0 win and a, a fortunate one from a set piece. But they all count and we've got to do that and, and get some wins like that across the season. We've not done enough of that so far this season. No, that's true. I think one of the things that I was looking at this morning, Dave, and I think this is a good point, we, we often talk about certain games in a Premier League season that, that don't affect your survival hope. So you'll say, well, OK, we'll I'll go away and I'll, we'll lose away at City, but that's not going to affect you know, what happens to us at the end of the season. The problem that we've got now is that because of the type and the nature of the games that we've dropped points in, particularly with those teams around us in the relegation battle, we've lost the ability to, well, not the ability, we've lost the luxury to be able to pick and choose which games will get us to survive or not. So we are now having to to play teams like Spurs at home and try and get some bonus points. But actually... Surely that's all we can do now is just play every single game as it's put in front of us, including Wednesday. Yeah, well, I think the uh, the manager will certainly be, uh, be be taking that viewpoint and and hopefully passing that on to the players as well. Every, every game's got three points available. Uh, we're at home. Um, we've got, we've got a good chance if if we play like we did in the home games against Liverpool and Manchester United. We've got a very good chance. I think. Good. You're going to give me a score prediction then, please. Um, I'm gonna I'm gonna be positive. I'm gonna go for a a, a narrow win. I think if if we're gonna win, it might be a one nil. Oh, who's gonna score? Um, I'm gonna go for Maxwell Corney. Maxwell Corney is gonna come back and and, and get the a, a stormer. Gonna get a fantastic goal to win the game for us. 
that would be lovely. Well, I'm going to go with a 2-1. I think we're going to go 2-0 up. Um, and then I think they're going to score to give us a bit of a nervy ending. But we're going to ride it out. It's going to be a Bemney masterclass. Um, and I'm going to say that our two star strikers, uh, Veghorst and Corne, are going to be our scorers. Um, listeners, you know the drill by now, please. Um, we want your score predictions, please. We want to know the scoreline. Any scorers, if you're not predicting that Burnley will have a nil in it, um, and how they scored, you can you can tweet us at none and ever. You can leave a comment on our Facebook page, or you can email us at podcast no preview show preview show at noneandever.net. Too many email addresses, Dave. Um, do we have any injury news that we can give just leading up to that game at all? Uh, I think it's what we know about, really. They did have the uh, press conference earlier today. I think there were perhaps concerns over uh, Maxwell Corney and, and, and Vout, whether they'd had any uh, uh, issues after the Brighton game. It looks like both of those are going to be available. Um, Vids is still not ready to come back. Uh, Charlie Taylor, we don't think, will be risked against Spurs, or he may come into contention for the weekend. Uh, Johan Berg-Gudmundsen has got a, a thigh injury, I think, so he's uh, not available. Uh, who else? Oh, yeah, uh, Tarky and, and, and Ashley Westwood. Uh, we don't know. I think there's still sort of COVID protocols. They've got a test negative uh, in order to be available to, to play, but um, we'll, well, I guess we won't know that. Until Is that the five-day rule thing, Dave? Is that the five-day rule thing where they've got to, on like the fifth or sixth day or something, they've got to have a negative test? Uh, something like that, yeah. They, they certainly got to test negative before they can come back in, and depending on on viral load and such things, then uh, it, it does vary in terms of how long you're testing positive for. So they've just got to go through the protocols and uh, wait and see on those two. Good stuff. Um, excellent. Right. Well, let's see. Uh, let's see what's going on there. Um, but. If you are going to Turf Moor at, uh, on Wednesday, I keep saying the weekend, you've got me at it now, Dave. If you are going to Turf Moor midweek, then if anything, let's just make sure we raise the roof and give those boys everything. They're going to need a 12th man like you wouldn't believe. Um, okay, Fantasy Premier League, Dave, is on hold for a couple of episodes, isn't it? What's going on? Tell us what's happening there. Well, we're in the middle of a double game week, so the weekend's games were the first game, and then there's midweek games as well, and not only our game on Wednesday, but also games going to Thursday as well. Um, so we will be recording, I think, the Crystal Palace preview on Thursday evening, uh, so the table certainly won't have been updated for that either. So we're going to have to give uh, a miss to Fantasy Premier League league updates, both for this episode and for the next one, but certainly by the time we do our Leicester City preview, we'll have the update after the double game week, we'll be able to give you uh, an updated league table and also an update on where we are with the uh, February Manager of the Month. Mm, good stuff. Stop and Dave's quiz question. Well, in that case, then let's move on to a quiz question. Let's let's give our listeners some homework instead. What are you going to set us this week? Okay, um, I've been told that the quiz questions have got gradually more and more tricky, so I've gone for a slightly easier one, I think, or with a twist. You you decide. Uh, the quiz question for this Uh-oh. week's episode is: uh, Prior to Wednesday's match, who were the last three players? to score winning goals for Burnley in league matches against Spurs at Turf Moor. So to clarify, we want the name of Burnley's last goal scorer in our last three home league wins over Spurs. If you're listening carefully, we discussed a couple of these games earlier and probably gave away one of the answers, although the name from the oldest of the three games may prove to be slightly trickier. 
Ooh, I don't even know where to start with those. Why don't you tell our listeners how they can submit their answers, please, wrong or otherwise? Uh, you can get in touch with us, yes, to let us know the answers using any of these methods. You can tweet us or preferably send us a direct message on Twitter so no one can see your answer. That's at no, nay, never on Twitter. You can email us to the dedicated email address we've got set up, which is previewshow at no, nay, never dot net. Or you can also reply to the post for this preview show on either the No Near Never Facebook page or on YouTube. Good stuff. Um, we're obviously going to let you know the correct answer at the start of the next episode. We'll be looking at our trip to Crystal Palace. But before we let you go and get yourself to turf more, Dave, do we have any community news? Uh, just a regular reminder to bring a tin for the bin, if you can. I think we need a regular tin for the bin sound effect from uh, Matt, if you can uh, arrange for that. There will be collection points around the ground prior to kick-off on Wednesday for the Burnley FC in the Community Food Bank. Uh, they're always extremely grateful for any donations of tinned or dried foods, including soup, cereal and pasta, as well as tea bags, instant coffee or long-life milk or orange juice. And don't forget about the weekly No Near Never newsletter. Uh, that looks back at the magnificent win this week at uh, Brighton at the weekend and also has details of an upcoming dinner at Turf Moor for the 30th anniversary of the 1991-92 Fourth Division title, which is to raise funds for former captain John Pender, who's living with an MND diagnosis and all the challenges that entails. Uh, you can take a look at... Uh, the web address is nonenever.substack.com. Good stuff. Well, that is all we have time for for this very special midweek um, take two episode of the preview show. Uh, my thanks as ever go to everyone who made this possible. Firstly, to Ricket from the last word on Spurs for the opposition view. For analysis show member Tom Whitaker, who nipped over from the analysis studio to give us his breakdown of that away win at Brighton. Uh, to Turf Moor Stadium announcer Dominic Walker for his specially recorded preview show announcements. To producer Matt for just doing a great job of getting this out I know Matt is really busy with work this week and half term and all sorts of things so um, Dave our global MVP for none and ever is doing a fantastic job thank you Dave um, sorry Matt <laughs> And finally, thank you, Dave, Matt, producer Dave, analysis Matt, whoever you all are. Uh, finally, to Dave Roberts for researching our previous show episodes and giving you all these fantastic stats. My thanks, as ever, go to you, the listener, for downloading and listening to this episode. Your support is very much appreciated and we would not be here without you. Um, we will be back, hopefully, at some point later on in the week to look um, back on that game away at Spurs. Uh, fingers crossed we'll have something very positive to talk about but if not Dave and I will be back in two shakes of a lamb's tail which is of course uh, this weekend ready for that away trip to Crystal Palace take care of yourselves and your loved ones in the meantime I've been Natalie Bromley this has been the preview show brought to you by the Known and Ever podcast until next time Away days are great, but there's nothing quite like playing at home. The same goes for McDonald's. Maximize your home ground advantage with McDelivery. Order now on the McDonald's app. At participating restaurants, 18 plus serving times, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. 
And there it is. That's as good as it gets on this stage. Nissan Townstar EV strikes again. It's an unstoppable van. Unstoppable! Look, just fantastic. You can actually see the ProPilot technology in action. Effortless parallel parking. It moves with all the confidence that comes with a five-year warranty. And with a bench full of all-star van experts, there's real strength in depth here. That's all-star quality. Search Nissan Townstar EV and visit your local all-star van centre to see for yourself. Terms and conditions apply. Five years or 100,000 miles, whichever comes first. ProPilot is an advanced driver assist technology. Driver's responsibility to stay alert, drive safely and control vehicle at all times. This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans.